Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Alone Podcast. This is going to be a first for me. We have both Keith and Jen Sires on today. Keith, you'll remember, is a participant from season seven of Alone. And Jen was actually in boot camp for season seven. So she's involved and part of the family as well. So Keith and Jen, thank you so much for taking time to sit down with us today and to share your stories and let us get to know you a little bit better. Thanks for having us on. Yes, excellent. I'm super excited, and I think the the best place to start is probably just to have both of you give your backgrounds and how you would present yourself to anyone who's listening, and then we'll go from there. So, Jen, let's have you go first. Well, Jen Sires, I'm 48, and I put that out there because I'm not ashamed of my age. I'm from Southeast Alaska originally and grew up there participated a lot in hunting and fishing with my dad spent you know countless you know evenings weekends holidays on the water he was a marine biologist worked for the department of fishing games so anyway it was all my background moved to kentucky raised my family kind of the traditional you know went to college had a normal job found it kind of lacking i really didn't know what it was you know i was just going through the paces I love raising my kids and all that good stuff, but I just always felt like there was something that I wasn't doing or I was doing too much of something that wasn't correct. But anyway, the the long and short of it is I met Keith and we kind of discovered each other that we had, you know, similar backgrounds and we loved the outdoors and just felt like the the our trajectory for life was you know all wrong from the beginning. You know, we we wanted to circle back around to you know, the outdoors, being self-reliant and doing things, you know, in a way that is kinder to the planet and more simpler in our eyes, you know, even though some people think we're nuts, you know, like I carry in all our water from outside to our, you know, for us to like, you know, wash dishes or wash our hands because people be like, why are you doing that? I don't know. I mean, I like, do you know, water's heavy. It's good for you to carry stuff like that. But anyway, it's kind of backwards for some people, I feel like, but for us, it, it makes the most sense. And it makes us happy to know that we have a direct connection to staying alive, you know, because basically all this other stuff, it just seems like it's distractions. So, you know, the root of it, taking care of ourselves through, you know, foraging, hunting, using things that already exist in nature or, you know, reused wood to make our, you know, house, you know, all different aspects. We try to do it as simply as possible to make us, you know, feel like we're really doing something. Is that? That's fantastic. I tell you what, Keith, Keith's in trouble because what you just said, I've got a whole conversation like lined up with just you. So we might have to give Keith the boot and uh, <laughs> we'll let Keith introduce himself, you know, season seven. And, and no, I've got some questions I want to come back to, but Keith, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself and kind of who you are and how you would present yourself? Sure. Uh, Keith Sires, of course, um, grew up in Western Kentucky. I'm still in Western Kentucky because I can't get my wife to move back to Alaska full time because it's cold, she says. <laughs> not, not really. It's not cold there anymore. Yeah, see? <laughs> but no, uh, I grew up very much in the outdoors. Uh, a lot of 
hunting, fishing, trapping when I was young. And that's really, you know, a lot of kids want to play sports or basketball or, or you know, whatever. I, I never was into that. The only extracurricular activity I did like that would have to do with the outdoors, maybe a little shooting sports or wrestling or running. And past that, I didn't have any use for it. I think in my bio there, and one of the things was some quote, like where I lived in the woods for 30 years or, or some craziness. That, that's not that I lived in a cave or something else absurd, you know, statement, but just the fact that every chance I got, I was spent outside from as long as I can remember. And I had a grandfather, a great uncle that grew up during the depression and they lived off the land exclusively probably till they were in their early 20s hmm. because they were uh, orphaned and, and they were machines. I mean, if, if a loan had been around then, it wouldn't have stood a chance. Right. And I was kind of indoctrined through them and learned through them and had some pretty good mentors along the way. And then a lot of cool chances for experiences. And like Jen said, you know, I kind of did the same thing. Uh, she did through the vocational school route and tried to, I guess, you know, you hear so many people say rewild it. I suppose I never unwilded, but was tried to be tamed there for a while. And you were domesticated. I was domesticated, yeah, <laughs> barely. Still peeing the floor some, I think. So are, you, are, you, are you feral again? <laughs> with a newspaper. Yeah, and, you know, yeah, after Jennifer and I got together, as she said, our, our trajectories in life had kind of been pointing hurtling towards each other, I guess, unknowingly to us. And yeah, we've been, we've been doing this ever since. Funniest part about alone is I remember my dad, like, I think the first season or something, because we don't even own the TV. And at that point, uh, you know, I just didn't watch anything and still don't really, but he's like, man, there's a show, you know, you need to try out for it. And I was like, I'll check it out. So I watched it. And, you know, I didn't know anything about the internet or YouTube or all the stuff that helps you get on the show. So like I half-heartedly, I think, sent an email, which was about my technical capabilities at the time. And, you know, never heard anything about it. And then fast forward, I don't know what, I guess, well, I guess six years, actually, because it's season seven. But we had gone through a couple of phases and started a little YouTube channel and uh neck and afraid had reached out to Jen and I to do a couple's uh, edition. Yeah. And we were like, yeah, sure. Why not? And we were going kind of at the last of the selection process for that. And alone didn't reach out to me. They reached out to her. <laughs> because they were looking for women you know they were you know people do a lot of applying there's a lot of head hunting i think that goes into it anymore too and i found her through social media and then basically i went all to her because she got my interview <laughs> pretty much <laughs> that's awesome so so you were getting ready to to go with naked and afraid and you guys push that aside for the opportunity to do alone is that what i'm kind of gathering here yeah, pretty, pretty well. We were, uh, as you've seen with the, the technical difficulties we've had today, you know, we, we had driven 20 miles to the McDonald's to get a Wi-Fi signal. And I think she was talking at, at one point we were having, each of us had a cell phone talking to the history channel and discovery channel. We're like, what are we going to do? Oh, that's so funny. yeah, I, I, I apologize to the little PA from 
discovery channel for doing what we did, but yeah, you know, we had to go for the better opportunity. I felt like at the time. It makes perfect sense. And that is fascinating. I didn't know that that was, that was a thing, but that's super cool. And to be clear, Keith was just talking about, you know, technical capabilities and having to travel for Wi-Fi. We did have 20 minutes of technical difficulties at the beginning of the show, and it was 100% my computer and my software that was messed up. Keith and Jen, you guys are good. That That's the first, I'll promise you. Like I said, <laughs> History Channel's more boosters and tech guys. And yeah, I ended up going to Sean's to do the after show. I ended up driving 120 miles to do the, I guess, Holy the season seven because nothing would work here. That's crazy. You know, I've said that there's a, there's a few things that people that listen to the show are probably like I'm about ready to get hate mail for it I'm sure uh, but one of the things I I should have I don't know why this wasn't in my brain when I started but I wasn't expecting the fact that finding reliable internet and phone would be such a, a difficulty right it would be like getting the the connection side would be hard because I think for me I live in a city and I take that for granted but like Justin my first episode he had to travel like half an hour or something like that to go be able to make a phone call for our episode. Jen, and this is another one I wanted to kind of circle back to this. And this is another thing that people are probably tired of hearing, but it's interesting. You mentioned how you guys kind of live, you know, backwards maybe, and, and some people might view it that way. And for me, you know, I started out by saying, you know, when did you decide to take a non-traditional path or what made you go down this way? But the more I talk to people and, and the more I think about everything it's kind of like well what's traditional right like what's who's to say what's whatever so i don't think it's backwards i think it's a very connected way of living and is probably lends to lots of humility and gratitude for everything you have so i think that's fantastic we'll kind of scroll back so jen when you were in alaska did you grow up in was it i mean i don't want to say urban and rural but were you in a more city part of Alaska or did you grow up kind of out in the, the bush? Well, it wasn't, I wouldn't call it the bush for sure. Juneau, it's the capital. It's not very big. The, the unique thing about Juneau is that you can't escape there unless you get on a ferry or a plane. But we did live in a, I would call what is a suburb about three miles from the Mendenhall Glacier. It was gorgeous, but yeah, it wasn't where you know we're on the grid we did heat our house with wood but also electricity so you know it was it was fairly modern bringing i would say and apart from you know we did not a lot of extended time in the you know wilderness or anything but definitely an extraordinary amount of time on the water um, and near the water uh, for those years and you had your cabin too yeah and they did my dad did build a cabin on Horse Island, which is, you know, about 40 miles outside of Oak Bay that was off the grid. So I did spend some time, you know, totally off the grid. There was a few cabins there too, but it was, it was awesome. I didn't appreciate it when I was there, you know, I was like, oh, my dad's got a cabin, no big deal. But now, I mean, I would love <laughs> to have that, which we did like this past summer, we went to Prince Wales Island and it was incredible to go back to Alaska as an adult and live more closely with nature. I mean, it was, it was incredible. Prince Wales Island was so amazing. Yeah. And, and just going to point that out, Keith, she, she did say it's getting warmer in Alaska now and we've got that recorded. Say that. 
that's on record and it's about to be put out in a couple weeks so you can you can use that if you need to <laughs> i'm curious about where where you both were in in life when you met and maybe i'm i'm meaning that as far as how were you living and 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 you know work and, and those types of things so was <laughs> like was there a like a, an explosion that happened and you two met and all of a sudden Keith went feral again or or kind of what does that dynamic look like for the two of you at that kind of juncture in life I can say beyond a shadow of a doubt uh it was meant to be I, I have no no doubt in my mind I remember the first time I saw her I was just like oh my gosh who is this you know but yeah we were both had been previously married for almost the exact same amount of time which is really spooky and both had similar i think relationship experiences that was a good word i pulled that one off <laughs> jen's yeah, over holding the sign experiences say experiences <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but no I, it, that's kind of the way it went and i mean i had I have a tendency to be extreme, I think, in a lot of things I do. And, and I never really quit doing outside stuff. I was got into rock climbing pretty big in my late 20s and early 30s. Always a big kayaker, always hunted fish no matter what. And that had started to kind of compound on itself, especially with the hunting and fishing towards the more primitive side and the more primitive skills, which I, I had a really good base I felt to begin with. And then when we got together, it was just like gas and fire. I, or got, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> In a good way. In a good way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was an outdoor explosion for sure. I don't think our at that time late teen kids, they were probably thinking what in the world are you guys doing? But well, I think we were both grasping for straws yeah. how to navigate a, a basically like a midlife crisis. I think, you know, we both felt we wanted to repair. We wanted to do a reset, a reset, a reset of a reset. Like we saw our parents do basically the same things. We're like, we're, we're not going to do that. But in, in the process, you know, you, you make more mistakes by trying not to be like yeah. somebody. So at that point, I feel like we we're both just kind of our lives were, in, you know, imploded for a number of reasons at that point. And because we knew like something was inherently wrong, like looking down the barrel of another, you know, 10, 20 years of what was behind was just not appealing at all. I mean, it was terrifying. So, I mean when and i mean i i can appreciate those people that can keep their stuff together for the duration and you know just put their head down and muscle through it but project yeah we just didn't have it in us you know it was just so i mean it was it was heart-wrenching to think you know i didn't want my family to come apart but you know for everybody's sake it was a good thing and i mean me and keith being together you know, nobody that is divorced was, you know, it was, it, it was a good thing is what I'm trying to say. And I mean, yeah, it sucks. Should have made better choices a long time ago, but you know, with us being together at this point was, I felt like we we're both 
happy to be alive again i would say yeah no that's what very, is that's what fun. is that rascal flat song god bless the broken road right yeah for, for <laughs> sure for sure yeah we, we oftentimes joke we look back and we're like oh my gosh you know but then we look at the life we have now and i'd do it all again for the same result for sure without question so I guess did y'all have did, did both of you have running water when you met each other? I guess that maybe that's a good way to to <laughs> Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So you, um, so you both had running water and were yes. you chopping firewood out of necessity when you met each other? Oh, most of the times. Okay. Yeah. So how how did how did that convert? I mean how, what did that look like? Because I guess for people that don't know, that haven't spent an inordinate amount of time looking at all of your stuff for the last couple of days, maybe just describe how you're living right now and, and what your place is like. And, and so we can all close our eyes and just imagine that we're on the homestead. We call it ramshackle homestead for a reason because everything pretty well is ramshackle and kind of with our whole redo you know we want to put a smaller footprint on the planet for sure so we recycle and reuse a lot of different building materials and we're both pretty artistic and you know that just that seemed to be the name to stick and if everybody remember my episode there was a ramshackle north sign i made out of birch bark and hung over my my uh shelter there for the whole two episodes but uh you know, that was just kind of a, a reminder to me to stay grounded and stay locked, you know, to, to the task at hand and where I needed to be. And yeah, to walk around this place, you know, we're, we're basically a tourist attraction, I think. I feel like at this point. Oh, yeah. Uh, all of our buildings, as I said, are either uh, reclaimed log structures that were old that we kind of reworked and set in a place to where they look like they've been there it's kind of our thing i think we want it to look like it's been there for 100 years when you pull up and of course like jennifer mentioned we don't have running water we have running water in one cabin but not in the one that we live in yeah a lot of unique looking out buildings and, and trails <laughs> and there's not a flat piece of ground on our place no. like you have to and I, and I think i joke i used to joke be like you know we're trying to stay on our toes you know and and we want to be agile, but the more I thought about it, I was like, you know what? It, everybody is so, you know, society in general is so used to walking on flat, even surfaces. But, you know, that's that's not really good for you in the long haul. I mean, at any time you step out our door, you can twist your ankle yeah, like that. True. But, you know, we have, we're strong. <laughs> we are strong. And if somebody tries to mess with us, all they got to do, like, if we just run, I told Keith, I was like, if we just run through the woods, like, we know we can, we would outrun anybody because we are so agile and quick on our feet from, you know, we got, like I said, there's no uneven spot on yeah. our place. Firewood, uh, rocks. Yeah, rocks, gumballs, yeah. Um, various ditches, yeah. Yeah, drainage ditches, yeah. Yeah, we, I mean, and we try to push ourselves to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, for our own benefit i mean because society is is so built so much on comfort and you know where comfort will get you to be super sedentary unhealthy in all types of ways so i mean yeah there are easier ways to do things but we feel like that leads to 
a place that we don't want to be. Yeah, we want to be. fun in that? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That, that's awesome. So now, I mean, people, you know, get it. You've got, you know, you're, you're hauling water. I mean, that's, you know, <laughs> the fact that you have to haul water into your living quarters, I think says a lot. So I guess with that, I'll come back then now that we've kind of set that stage of, of what was it like transitioning and, and maybe not, you know, you all, it seems like we're, we're more or less ready potentially, or was it a, was it a, a tough transition to go from running water and, and whatever else to where you're at now? Did it take time to, to get into the groove? I don't think it was a tough transition. I had actually in my late teens lived off grid a little bit. I don't know, several months, I think two different times, you know, like maybe summer and fall and just a touch of winter. But for, I don't think for either one of us, it was a huge transition because we kind of had our mindset that that's what we wanted to do. I remember having a conversation with my, one of my cousins. We were like 17, 18, you know, like, what are you going to do with your life? And he was fixing to go to the University of Kentucky. And I was very not sure what I was going to do. I was like, hey, man, you know, if this doesn't work out, let's just like start a hippie farm or, you know, you know, do, do something cool and something worthwhile. And, you know, I, I was thinking about that the other day and I was like, you know, it's kind of what I did after, after the fact. So, yeah, I, I don't think either one of us really had trouble with the transition. No, I don't think we had trouble. I mean, our, our kids, our cumulative kids were like, yeah, what? Freaking out. Yeah. And I mean, the older they were, the harder it was, but. Cora is the youngest of all the kids and she's been with us, you know, us as a couple, the longest. So she's a trooper. Yeah. <laughs> she, she's definitely a trooper and, and puts up with a lot of stuff. And I, I mean, she actually enjoys it. I think. I'm yeah, sure. I think yeah. she does too. Yeah. I, you know, and I think she, she respects the lessons at this point. Uh, and I think some of them are coming around too to, to know that we're on to something and that it's, more that it's something that they can understand and not just like, what are you, you know, they, they yeah. can wrap their heads around it now. I think I'm saying. And I think a lot of people, you know, like I was saying, we were kind of a tourist attraction before the black plague hit the scourge and all the apocalypse and all that. And after that, you know, like I know messenger from local people and a lot of people not so local, like exploded on our phones like hey guys uh do you know how to do this uh would you want to sell any of your chickens uh hey would you have a couple of goats you want to sell you know hey like yeah what, what kind of water filters are you guys running you know just all these like yeah you're kind of late to the uh late party, to the party. party but yeah you know it's it's interesting yeah, it, it, I, it didn't even like register for me but when i was talking to megan hanachek from season three and i just talked to sam larson the other day like megan she said that like the day after their lockdown started, like the day that the lockdown started up in Canada or whatever it was was going on, she had like 800 friend requests on Facebook. And then the day <laughs> after she had like 700 friend requests. I was like, oh my oh goodness, my I can't even like fathom the, like fathom that. And it, all people just trying to like figure out like, man, what are we going to do if this is really like the thing, right? Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of people, I, I hope, and going back to what I said before, you know, with like you're talking about making people reaching out, I, I think it opened a lot of people's eyes to the fact that, you know, we live in a very 
fragile, finite environment as far as the comfort zone and, you know, our, the, the, you know, the norm, I suppose, that we, we have created through the yeah. way, you know, the person works and, and, you know, that's, like I said, it's just very fragile and definitely uh, a finite thing that can come apart at, at any, any moment. Yeah, our our permanence is not quite as permanent as we as we thought it was, right? And you know, a lot of people like the big thing in media. It seems like for the last like ten years has been these post apocalyptic wow, if I can talk, post apocalyptic shows and books, right? Where the the world has ended due to whatever catastrophe, and you've got some small group of survivors resettling, and you know maybe people are starting to realize like, oh, you know that like this you have to have skills like you have to to be able to to live if even if you don't have running water and, and how are you going to handle that and, and make that work so you you mentioned your kids it sounds like they obviously were a little bit hesitant about the move how how long had you both been together you know dating or otherwise when you made the move out to the homestead three no it was five five years yeah Okay. Oh, no, before, before, before we started, yeah, three, I guess. Yeah, we tried to ease them into it. Uh, so it wasn't like everyone was like, man, this Keith guy came around and then Jen just. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure, no, I'm sure that's exactly how it was in the boys' head. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, I had a smaller uh, house cabin that I would built, and it had a wood burner in it, and, you know, it, it did have, you know, central heat and air and all that good stuff but it's definitely more rustic and smaller than what they were used to and then there was the chopping of the wood which i think any of the four older children would tell you you know it's basically basically they worked in a gulag you know uh, <laughs> they, they had to chop some wood occasionally uh, thumb screws on the whole nine yards <laughs> but That's funny but they, I'm like Jen, I think they've kind of come around to it. And I mean, like she said, Cora's the only one that lives with us full time, but definitely they appreciate what we're doing. I don't think they would want to do it full time, any of them, but I think they understand it better at this point. Yeah. yeah and it's got to be comforting too, to know that, that if they needed to, right, they've got, they have people they can reach out to and, and they've got a a, a place i'm assuming they have a place you know where they can go and and if they needed to oh, yeah. is, is cool yeah. yeah we're always looking to expand the workforce <laughs> <laughs> i was just gonna i was just gonna say there there's a thing called a log splitter and maybe you invested in one of those after the kids left no <laughs> <laughs> i still split wood with the same i took on a loan ah that's cool that's super cool. Is that something that, and so I don't know if people will know this about you or not, but you are pretty heavy into to forging and, and making cutlery. Is that an axe you purchased or do you make your own axes and that type of tools as well? I do make some axes, but that particular one was not one I purchased or I uh, forged. I had a friend, he forged one for me and I didn't feel comfortable with the handle. So I'd actually had uh, shameless plug for Holtzworth Brooks, but if you watch the show, like I say, ninety percent of the axes are either Holtzworths or Gransfords. Yep, and they're just easy to keep sharp, 
And like I said, that was kind of my go-to axe that I've had forever. Felt really comfortable with it. And that's just what I rode with. And if I had it do over again, I probably still wouldn't forge my own axe just because it's a lot of work without a power hammer. Yeah, I can imagine. It's funny. The reason reason why I ask it, I guess, did you take your own your own knife with your own fixed blade? No, as funny as it is, I didn't take anything of my own. Kind of a backstory to that that definitely lead into alone. Jason Smith, who was on Alone the Beast, yep. a great friend of mine, and he's a total savage, uh, special forces retired, retired Sear School, special forces medic, and he forges a lot too. And I reached out to Jason. I was like, hey, you know, make me a knife. And I mean, full disclosure, hell, he knew I was on the show. I knew he was on the beast. We knew we were in Canada at the same time. Hmm. And he's like, really? You want to take one of my knives, not one of yours? I said, yeah, I want to take one of your knives because I want to have it with me to know, you know, that you're with me out there. Uh, same thing with the bow was made by Ryan Gill, buddy of mine. You know, I could have made my own bow. I had two or three bows here I made. I had, you know, half a dozen knives of, of mine, but I didn't want to take anything of mine. I wanted something handmade from everybody I can get to go on the show yeah my pot was made by an older uh gentleman of mine a real good mentor jennifer of course made my wool pullover that we sell on the website but you know just a little something i don't have a problem being alone but it, it was just added kind of a magical factor for me i guess a, a special factor to have something handcrafted from somebody i knew with me out there i love that that's uh that's super cool and that's a cool way to stay connected to to your circle and to your group while you're away that's really neat and the pot that's fascinating i'm gonna have to go and and dig up some pictures of that because that sounds really cool it's funny the reason why i asked that question about the the blade and whatnot is i i was just thinking i've got a friend who they own they own a knife shop and they do I, i guess they're kind of production now they do you know quite a bit of beautiful beautiful work and it made me wonder, like, man, what would it be like? I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised that we've never seen a, a blade break on the show. And I was just thinking, man, what would that be like to have, you know, whatever blade with you on the show and it and it snaps? I guess maybe as a as someone who, you know, forges and, and makes knives, do you have any thoughts on that? On is that a, a possibility? Are you kind of surprised about the same that nothing's that everything I guess has withstood the torture test? Yeah, I'm not really surprised anything hasn't broke because I think it's such a high stakes option or, you know, deal that you're into. And you're dealing with extremely skilled people that, you know, I think for the most part know what and what not to do, you know, to cause anything's possible, don't get me wrong. But, you know, as far as catastrophic failure to blade, there's very few things that are going to cause that other than something you shouldn't be doing for the, for the, for the most part, now, you know, things happen for sure. And kind of on that subject, if I had to do over again, it, everything being the same, I would not take a fixed blade knife. I, I don't think I, I'm, I'm pretty positive. I wouldn't, I, I think that if I had it to, like I said, hundred percent, Everything I knew was going to be exactly the same, same drop point, same location, same everything. The fixed blade knife. Love Jason. Love you to death, Jason. I know you're listening <laughs> to this. Yeah, I wouldn't take anybody's knife. 
because what ain't gonna yeah. extrapolate why yeah. would you i feel comfortable enough for the same reason i didn't take a saw uh saws are really limited into what they can do you know you can cut wood with a saw and you can cut wood with a saw <laughs> and then you can cut wood with a saw but you know with an axe i knew i would be able to chop through ice i can still cut a tree down and i can get an axe sharp enough you know if it came down to it i can skin a big game animal i've done it i know i can do it i, I do it just as you know practice at it yeah and show off a little bit but yeah <laughs> i know i can skin a big game but with an axe so you know multi-tool is almost without question take a multi-tool so really i would have had two blades i could have used with the axe and a multi-tool and you know i would have uh, considering my location i would have definitely taken a ration in lieu of a knife no, no question in my mind after having done it that that that's interesting and obviously when you say that i mean it makes sense right if you can use your axe and get it sharp enough and you can i mean it it, it makes sense maybe if they do another redemption season you can go and shock the world by i mean has anyone ever not taken a knife i don't know if that's i guess someone took a multi-tool yeah knife. i'm trying to Jordan didn't take a knife. He just took a multi-tool. You know, he was saying his biggest fear was exactly what happened, that he's going to have to process a whole moose with a multi-tool. <laughs> hey, you got it done. There's worse, yeah, worse problems to have. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So I guess since we're, since we're here, we've kind of naturally made our, made our way to a loan. We'll, we'll take a minute and embrace it. So, one of the things that that I've been really fascinated by is the experience of you know of someone else, someone who's left at home basically for the show, and so I guess we'll kind of we'll kind of play around with that maybe. But you know, Keith, you do quite a bit of stuff. I mean, it seems like you're you're hunting quite a bit, gathering food for you all. You're involved in, and I, I should have remembered the name, but the American Mountain Man Society or something along those lines. Can you correct me on yes. what that is? Was I right? No, you nailed it. Oh, man. <laughs> I guess, well, full disclosure, I totally, totally screwed up the intro, and I put Keith on the wrong season. And so I was trying to tell, like, I promise I did I did my work. And so I guess, you know, you were, you were out for 22 days, I believe. Do, is it typical? I mean, do you all spend or do you have times where you're away and gone for three, four, I guess with everything else, six weeks at a time? Yeah, that? it's been typical for the past. It's been pretty typical for the past two years. Maybe not three or four weeks at a time until this past year, because I did a month in Alaska. What from May? Yeah, three weeks. Three weeks. Yeah, did three weeks in Alaska with without her, and then did a month, another month in Alaska. Mm -hmm. without you and then a lot of one week uh, one week's pretty regular but i mean before alone that was potentially definitely could have been the longest you yeah. know time that we'd been apart and i mean i love keith to death of course but i was excited to be here on by myself because there are so many things and it really does take two people to run this place without just wearing yourself out but I mean, me and Keith communicate well, but we don't necessarily work together. 
super great all the time on agreeing on processes and maybe some end results. But so I was like so stoked to be like, I want to do so many things and I don't have to ask him or run it by him. I'll just ask for forgiveness. So, yeah, I mean, I, I totally embrace the time that he, whenever he's gone as much as I can, but I feel like separations always we're not always good for every couple but i mean for us i feel like it does helps you know strengthen our yeah, you sure. know it, <laughs> i mean love you when you're gone love you even more when you get back so i mean it's all cool and i get stuff done that i don't have to run it by him and he's like or she gets stuff partially done and part, I think, yes I partially done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like He's so sorry, babe, but yeah, that's the way she goes. For your for your situation, it, Keith being gone is kind of just more chores for Jen. Yes, yeah, yeah it was, and and I mean, I, I I really did like it, but it was hard in the fact that I knew what he was going through. It was hard for me to be carefree, you know, like because I knew that there was going to be an inordinate amount of suffering. You know, I know that he would be enjoying himself on certain levels, but at the same time that it was going to be brutal, you know? And so it was hard for me to just do the things that I need to do, like, la, 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 I'm going to feed the goats and I'm going to, you know, cut the wood and all that stuff without having this burden of knowing that he is so far away. He's alone and he's cold and definitely So there was that. Definitely hungry. <laughs> yeah so i guess i mean keith you mentioned you guys don't have a tv and and that you know you you don't really watch tv I, i'm i guess i'm assuming but did you all i mean because jen you were obviously in, involved in that selection process and and you know keith you know has you to thank uh for that experience it sounds like so we're i mean did you guys go and watch the seasons and kind of bone up on on what alone was before keith launched yeah, definitely. We would go, you would stop by the library and, and like, you know, set and, and bum Wi-Fi anywhere we could and download it to our phone. Then we would sit in our little bed here in the cabin at night and, and watch it on an iPhone. But yeah, we watched every season uh, for sure. So I, I guess the, sure. what was it like? Because you, you just mentioned it, Jen, you talked about it, but that, that concept for me as I'm thinking through kind of your scenario, I'm, I'm imagining First of all, the unknown of like, you know, how long am I going to be doing chores for two? I guess partially just not knowing, you know, what was going to happen. And then two, I mean, what was it like, you know, sitting in a in a hopefully warm, you know, living dwelling? I don't know what, what you all live in, but I mean, I'm, I'm imagining sitting around in warmth and eating food, knowing that Keith is not warm and not eating as much food <laughs> yeah it was it was very hard there was you know i i don't want to say that i was trying to punish myself but as far as like doing fun things like i felt that were fun i didn't really want to do them because i felt like i was cheating on him almost if i was having too much fun <laughs> while he was gone and wasn't a problem i mean i totally could stay busy all the time that's what i did but the when i would have a prospect of like doing something that was not just chore oriented or something on the homestead i was i just was really hesitant and felt guilty you know that i knew that he was out there 
Oh. Just suffering. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> so Keith, I, I mean, did you did you know that or had you heard that before? Uh, yeah, not maybe not quite to that extent, but yeah, I mean, I knew it, it was definitely. We kind of understood the circumstances, you know, and I knew it would be heavy on her mind for for sure. That's interesting. And so, Keith, uh, it's funny we've actually never—I don't think we've ever talked about the circumstances of of someone's coming home. I believe you had gotten sick, and and I don't know what the the full details were. So I, I guess more for, for Jen, what was it like when you got, I'm assuming, a phone call saying that he was coming home? And I mean, what was that kind of coming home and that reunification like from each of your perspectives? Yeah, when I, I got a text from him, you know, and I just stared at my phone because I was actually, I still had, I was still working and I was in the middle of my day. It was like a Friday afternoon or something. And I look at my phone and he, I'm trying to remember what you said. It was like, Hey hun, what are you doing? Or how are you? And I was like, I was like, somebody stole this phone. Like, how did this happen? Like somebody, I, you know, I just, I just couldn't process what, mm -hmm. what I was seeing. And then, you know, I was like, are you okay? Cause immediately I'm thinking, you know, there's no way that he left voluntarily something, you know, maybe had an accident or, you know, something went horribly wrong. So of course I was like, just instantly panicked. And then he was like, can you talk? And I'm like, yeah. So we got on the phone and I was, yeah, I was just a lot of crying, very emotional. Yeah. yeah. But when he got home, I mean, it was, of course, when you, he was kind of in that spot where he was gone long and long enough to I don't know. It was like, you know, it was like that intermediate spot, you know, where you haven't, you were gone more than a couple of weeks, but yet you weren't there long enough to, you know, I mean, I've heard you describe it before where it was like just a really hard space. Yeah, it was to, definitely a hard space to be in. Uh, you know, I don't, and I don't think as weird as it is, I don't think no matter how bad it is, I don't think there's anybody that didn't want just a little bit more. I mean, I think even if you win, you probably wanted just a little bit more of that. And I definitely, in my experience, I was not satisfied at all with the, you know, length of time and being totally honest, you know, the only way I know to put it is I didn't give a shit if I won or not. It been cool. But, you know, if, if I was about making money, I would be doing more than what I'm doing right now, uh, for sure. If I was worried about being a rich man, uh, I could go make tons of money. The experience, you know, that, that you know, and as cliche as probably that sounds, I, I think a lot of people out there in Internet land are like, yeah, you know, those people just say that. I, I don't think anybody genuinely doesn't believe that that's been on the show, that, you know, the experience is worth so much more than what the money is worth and you know the money's just an added bonus if it works out for you yeah for me i guess getting kind of off the subject of what you asked but coming back home was awesome and horrible of course the condition that i was in i did not it's not like okay we'll put you from the field and you're going home that's not how it works at all and that 22 days there i lost 32 pounds i was riding struggle bus as far as the food 
procurement goes. And, you know, I just, I couldn't make it happen. It just, well, it just wasn't there for me to make it happen. You know, people were catching rabbits left and right that peninsula that I, I was on and even up into the little bit of mainland that I had, I didn't see a rabbit shadow, a rabbit turd, a rabbit track. I, I didn't see not the first sign of a snowshoe hare in, you know, three weeks of being there. A few squirrels, one mediocre fishing spot until ice up, you know, just trying to make it to ice up. And then got on a moose one day that I'd seen and it uh, just kept going out of bounds because, you know, you're geo-fenced. So my buzzer kept going off. They were, they were telling me to head back inland as I'm following where this moose had gone and had seen it, you know, and seen that, hell, I saw water still pulling in the tracks where the moose had stepped. Oh, and, you man. know, they're like, nope, turn in land. Nope, turn in land. Yeah. Calorie-wise, I was struggling. So, yeah, coming home, you know, you still want to be there for more reasons than that. And then also you feel like you've just completely failed at everything, you know, so that, that doesn't help at all. But yeah, I was super stoked and super glad to see her. But at the same time, you know, all the misgivings and what ifs that, that come with coming home. Yeah. And I just on top physical recovery. Yeah, and, and just, I mean, throw this out there, kind of a, you know, related, I mean, you mentioned the the trapping and there was no, basically no small game to trap. For those listening to kind of get some perspective on on Keith, because he's, he's it seems like he's a humble guy. And one of his bios, I mean, he talks about how you've been, you know, primitive trapping basically since you were 10. So it, it's not like, if they were there, you would have A, found them and, and B, procured them. So how, I guess today, I mean, you're what, two, two years on, I guess, from being home roughly. How are you doing with all of that today? Have you been able to, to put that experience and your feelings about, I don't want to say your performance, but your feelings about how things went for you? Are, are you okay with that now? Have you been able to process that? Or is that something that you're still kind of working with on occasion? I don't think I'll ever be okay with it. Not fully. It doesn't a lot anymore because it just you know like you say it is what it is that was the cards that got dealt and you know i played them the best way i could but yeah i don't know man i can get deep in the weeds on that i'm just gonna i'm gonna leave part of it sitting right there i, I would just say that it would be interesting to have that opportunity you know with maybe a little more resource you know and i, I would I would I would do it again, even though part of me is like, dude, don't do another TV show ever, because at the end of the day, it is a TV show. Yep. You know, still, uh, I guess the best way to say it is, I would do it again and not have it televised at all and, and no cash money. You know, if somebody wanted to finance uh, a, a weekly stipend for me to go do it. Yeah, and I could care less who knew about it, you know. I I would just like to uh, see what I could do again with with the knowledge that I gained while being there. Yeah, that's something that I I talked to someone else about too is that concept of how how do you view 
skills and and all of those things now kind of on the on the flip side can you share maybe something that you learned something that you learned while you were there that either you didn't learn you didn't know before or maybe that you didn't like a concept or maybe a, a mental piece that you didn't fully understand until the show is there anything that happened like that for you I definitely didn't understand the nutrition side of it as much as I, I thought I did. I've done some treks in extremely primitive conditions with no food, but not for that length. I mean, I've lost seven and 10 pounds, you know, at a whack over uh, a few days time to, to four or five days time. And, you know, thought I had a pretty good handle on that, but, but the long grind, I think, with little nutrition, you know, because at first you're there and you think, all right, this isn't so bad. I think I went six days without anything substantial to eat before, you know, I killed my first little squirrel there. And I just did not fully understand the toll that burning that amount of calories, you know, having to do everything and not being able to move out of an area to where things were maybe better the toll that it takes on your body because mentally it wasn't bad you know i, I got down in my head a, a little bit like geez dude i remember i had this one had a couple opportunities to squirrels which an arctic squirrel compared to a squirrel in the eastern united states and even i mean other places i've been out west and and even the pine squirrels like a couple in michigan those guys are tiny and, and you know I, I had no idea how tiny they actually were but you know that's a hard target and of course me being me i didn't take a, a laminated you know fiberglass recurve i took a one-piece wooden self bow so and river cane arrows no no carbon arrows and you know i probably could have done a little bit better had i taken one of my modern recurves but it took me a minute. I got in my head bad about not being able to hit those squirrels. And I knew I could do it. So I set a stick up one day after like the umpteenth miss in a row and just kind of zinned out and set it up to 10 yards and just started smoking that stick. Just hit it every other shot, every you know two out of three. And after I kind of got that clarity, I went back out, shot that first squirrel. And, you know, that was just like this huge, you know, everybody's like, I can't believe they crawl over an animal, you know, cow or squirrel. You have no idea. I mean, you, you have no idea what that means. You know, I've hunted about I've hunted a lot of stuff and killed a lot of really nice, you know, I guess you would say trophy animals with some primitive equipment. And nothing compares to that first squirrel I shot them alone. Not one thing. Yeah, I've ever done in my life as far as hunting compares to that little gray squirrel or little Arctic squirrel that I shot because I knew after six days I was going to get to eat something substantial. You know, mm -hmm. but going back to that, I'll, I kind of ramble it here, but I guess the biggest, the one lesson I learned is what I was doing wrong for the most part as far as nutrition goes. I didn't have a whole lot to begin with and I was rationing what I did have, which was a huge mistake. I had a perceived surplus and I didn't have any surplus at all. I should have been eating everything in its entirety 
to where I was taking that little squirrel and trying to stretch it out for four days just so mentally I would have something to eat the next day. And that was a huge mistake. I should have consumed it all right then and just gone at it again the next day. That That is the, yeah, the biggest, I think, lesson I took away from it is don't ration yourself when there's nothing to ration. That's interesting because I think that's that's super counterintuitive or, or maybe even counter educated. I don't know how to say that, but it, it makes a lot of sense. And you, you know, certainly lived and experienced that. And don't worry, by the way, about rambling or weeds or anything else. There's, you know, like I said, there's there's literally zero, you know, zero desired outcome from these conversations other than having a good conversation. So don't worry about that at all. And I guess, Jen, I guess, is there anything that you would, anything to add on, on what Keith has said before we keep moving here? Yeah. When he came home, it was hard to know how to talk to him. Other, You know, I wanted, of course, everything to be okay, but, it, you know, just holding the space for him was really hard, you know, to know that, you know, this guy that I, I know to be so talented and so you know self-reliant and you know that he had not achieved what he wanted to that was really hard to be able to hold that space and just be there to be like you know I know that this is you know you wanted a certain outcome but this is what you got and try to not make light of it but just be there to hold that space and help him you know, see the good parts of it, which he, I feel like he was very resilient and there's some stuff that I feel he has handled better than I would, you know, with his, with his edit for sure. So he, he's pretty amazing as far as I'm concerned. You're super sweet. That's really all that matters in the day. That's awesome. No, thank you. Thank you both for sharing. And before we kind of transitions and maybe shift gears here a little bit, is there anything else that, that either of you two that, you know, you want to add or, or anything you want to say about that experience before we transition? I just think that anybody's listening that, you know, it's, they're serious about it. I don't regret any of it at all as far as, you know, what I did and, and how it went down. But remember at the end of the day, you're on a TV show and 90% of everything is out of your control. You know, you, it just, it's going to be not what you remember. Uh, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, we have a YouTube channel and we make, you know, our videos and stuff. And I mean, when we're in the process, I, I've really grown to respect editing more. Oh, for sure. And it's not something that you feel like should be linear and in your mind. It's like, that shouldn't be a problem. But I could definitely understand how sometimes the way that you want things to go don't always happen that way. And to be able to tell a story well, sometimes you have to do things. You know what I'm yeah. saying? No, I mean, you, do. It, you do, yeah. It's like, yeah. you know. To be in all fairness to Absolutely. So there's Absolutely. the people, you know, that are home watching the show and they're being like, oh, well, I would do this, that, and the other different. And then, you know, the lone participants being like, well, that edit is, you know, I don't like that. They should have done this, that, and ever. 
you know, the lone participant and tell the person on the couch, well, you're not here. And then the alone, you know, the alone show telling the participant, you've never made an alone show. Like, shut yeah. up. Or like, <laughs> so, or not. like, They're- yeah. Or maybe, maybe it's keeps a crappy videographer. <laughs> right like yeah I was, I was, <laughs> sorry Keith I was you know I was talking to someone else again I was talking to Sam about this I was like you know to, to be in the room when the the person whose brainchild is alone walked into you know looking for money basically and said so I've got this idea and I want to make a tv show with 10 people that don't know how to make a tv show and literally yes. the entire show <laughs> is 10 people that don't know how to make a tv show and can I have some money and some time and a helicopter or two and a bunch of boats? And, uh, you know, I, am sure that, that, that conversation, I mean, to me, it would be, I, I imagine there being like a lot of silence after that. And so I, I love that. <laughs> yes. so there's, I, I love that. Jason. Thanks. Yeah. Right. And so thanks Jen for bringing that grace. Cause that was a realization that I had when I was, you know, in this other conversation was like, yeah, you're making a TV show with 10 people that don't know how to make a TV yeah. show. Like that's, it, you know, it's hard. so that, that makes a lot of sense. So I guess the, the YouTube channel and, and if you want to, guys want to talk about, you know, what you're doing today and, and your YouTube channel, what kind of stuff people can find there and anything else. I think with our YouTube channel, for the most part, we're not super flashy. That's, of course, an edited version of, you know, what we generally do around here and some of the skills that it involves. We've kind of gotten away from the general, you know, how to. We still do that, but, you know, always with the uh, caveat that this is how we do it. You know, there's probably a hundred thousand other ways to do it, but this is how we do whatever we're showing you how to do. And we know it works for us, which I think is very important. I think in this day and age, there's as much misinformation out there about this particular lifestyle. People just trying to capitalize on it that maybe mm, don't have the experience or yeah, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, there was uh, a there was a you know, I think it was Vice. There was an article I saw a while ago. My my internet is now showing me everything out there to do with survival and alone and homesteading and all that good stuff. <laughs> and there was an article that I I saw the headline. It was from it was like some major news outlet. And it basically said, I tried homesteading and it sucked. <laughs> was I you know, was kind of the thing it was someone I, I can say this because I am in this age group. I think it was a someone of the millennial era such as myself and yeah it was you know it was so romanticized when they saw instagram and youtube and and all these different things or whatever and they went and tried it they they wanted to do it so they went like all in and yeah the, i tried homesteading and it yeah, sucked it's <laughs> like appreciate all, all in would be a huge mistake if you, especially <laughs> if you've never you know if you don't have a background then all in would be horrible uh well, we just want to try to, I feel like on our YouTube, we're, we're a little bit all over the place, but I feel in general, we just want to get people excited about nature and everything that's attached to that, because I feel that that is the only real thing out there. I mean, it, it's so easy to, to go in other avenues and not that it's not interesting to do computer stuff or 
I mean, any number of hobbies or life paths, but we feel like as far as the way that we're biologically, how we biologically evolved as a species was to do, to be in nature, to be, you know, in nature and not just, you know, trying to exploit it and use everything to, for, for profit. So we just want to get people excited about doing things away in a way that is more fulfilling, I feel, to the core of us as human beings and easier on the planet. Because a lot of people don't think about more morally know, just, I, I think, as a, as a, uh, man, I don't want to get off my gratitude line and all that, but, you know, just, I think having that good moral feeling that you're doing the right thing, even though somebody may be looking at you like you have a temple hat on, you know, you're, you're still, you know, that it's right. And, and, you know, and that, that's really all that matters and showing people that that lifestyle can be achievable for, for, for anybody, you know, and I think that's something we have definitely need to approach on our YouTube channel as far as something we haven't done. And that's sit down and have a conversation with each other like this, because I mean, at one time, you know, we have God, all the garbage we we made together, you know, over six figures, had the Harleys, had the, she had a place with swim, in-ground swimming pool, boat, gee, all the junk, you know, and we were like, yeah, this is what makes America happy. And we were both miserable the whole damn time, you know, and now we probably make less money we've ever made in our life. So don't go into YouTube videos and, and get on the survival shows and be rich because that's probably not going to pan out for you either. Well, we don't want to sell a bunch of yeah, a crap, bunch of garbage. You know, yeah, a bunch yeah. of garbage. And, and we try to the things that we we want to we love making things. Craftsmanship and stuff is, is so. You know, there's a lot of people that do that too. Don't get me wrong, but you know, for us, we're just we're not wanting to make. We're just wanting to <laughs> eat on by. Yeah, eat on by. And that is. And hopefully enrich somebody's life, inspire somebody yes. as we go by with good information that we know that works in the real world and not because we read it twice or we watched a YouTube video on how to make a YouTube video, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, I... or, or, you know, yeah, just some convoluted thing that anybody that does know about it can see right through you. You know, and you're like, yeah, that's not how that works at all, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I think it's it's so easy for to become a Google expert on something, right? And right. that's something I, I catch myself with all the time, needing to to realize that just because you, know, you might understand the concept of something doesn't mean you understand the practice. And it's so easy to, to unfortunately find things that are you know, you're a Google expert and some people out there do that. So that's, that's cool to hear that. And obviously I think everyone listening understands now that you're both very expert sources on, on that, on your channel. Some things that I just want to kind of point out that I think are awesome that people should go and check out. I love the Flintlock hunting series and you know, the episodes you put out on the Flintlock hunting that is incredible. And there was a video you posted, I think just a couple months ago 
I think it was either a doe or a, a small buck that, at least from the camera, looked like you were a, about a yard away from, I think it was in like corn or cattails, some sort of reeds. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The little eight porn. Yeah. Uh, actually, I, I, it was the day I killed my buck in Kentucky. Uh, that was one of the cooler hunts I've had in a long time. Uh, for people that don't know, I build flintlock rifles occasionally i'm not like a gun builder but I, I do build my own guns and some for family occasionally and and that particular day i'd stalked on the ground you know just like no deer stand or you know just as as real as it gets and uh stalked up on a probably five and a half year old bedded buck and, and took him on the ground at about 40 yards with the rifle that i built but in doing that i had to stalk through all these other deer to get to him yeah and that that was like surreal that probably 16 inch eight point white tail the wind was in my face and there was a bunch of huge timber that i was talking up through there and i saw him right before he saw or he would have seen me and i just melted into this tree and i had i had my canon camera like around my shoulder but i couldn't get to it so i'm like trying to inch my phone out of my pocket i get it out and his curiosity you know he's he's going along he's like man that wasn't there before yeah so he's he was literally three yards he was nine feet from me i stepped it off after he left just to see how close he was yeah that was that was pretty pretty rad yeah you were you were counting eyelashes on that one that was cool <laughs> so your your channel is it the what's your channel name? Ramshackle Homestead, the Ramshackle, Keith and Jen Ramshackle. I think it's Ramshackle Homestead with Keith and Jen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's what cool. it so is. Ramshackle Homestead with Keith and Jen. We'll I'll link that below. And then you all have a, a public Facebook page as well, is that right? Uh, yes, we have the Ramshackle Facebook page and then I also have a Keith Sires Facebook page that kind of stemmed out of a loan and you know the traffic that you were getting off that because it was getting to be a bit much and, and they kind of they they go kind of hand in hand with each other okay. I'll, I'll do more alone type questions on my page and, and kind of share some of what we're doing or you know stuff that I do alone as funny as that sounds coming out of my mouth right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and on my page or, you know, Amos and Sean and I, and, uh, done some stuff with Callie as well. We're all still, all of us still as a group are really pretty tight and, you know, we try to get together and do stuff. So if I've got something coming up, Amos and Sean and I do some classes together. It'll, it'll be over on my page for sure. Cool. And then, so I'll get that linked and then you have a website as well. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's so uh, ramshacklehomesteadsurvival.com. And we have, you know, items for sale. And then if we have classes, we'll have those posted as well. Cool. So, yeah, just so that you've got, obviously, Keith, you've, you've got your forging and your knives and, and things that you're making. People go check those out. He's got beautiful, you know, kitchen knife sets and steak knife sets and, and, and blocks and stuff. Just gorgeous. And Jen, I was, we were talking before. And she makes this awesome homestead hoodie, which is a like fantastic, beautiful wool hoodie. I think you you made a bunch of those for a, a Sear school, right? Yeah, I did just last last month. It was uh, quite hard to. I mean, we had hoodies everywhere because <laughs> we do live in a tiny house, and it was very tight in here. Yeah. And it was 
but I got it done. I didn't know if I could do it. Cause it's like, how, how much sewing do I really want to do? But I, I got them done in a relatively good period of time. It didn't take too long. Yeah. It looked like a wolf. We live in like 600 square foot and it looked like a wolf factory exploded in here. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So you, you know, obviously people go check, go check those out. Is there anywhere else that people can or should find you or anything they can come to you for? You mentioned that you all do teaching as well. Yeah, we do quite a bit of teaching here. Of course, you know, labor there, anything else, the black flag, scourge of the earth, it had us jammed up for a while, but we will have a schedule out after the first of the year, try to do a bow building class or two a year. Like Jennifer said, we're all over the place. We're uh, jacks of all trades and masters of none for sure. But we do plan on doing more. I think not necessarily get away from the survival side of it because that's still interesting to people, but maybe the sustainability and the homesteading side, because I think that is definitely more skills, especially the way the world's evolving now that people not only want a need, but two are more interested in as far as long-term skills, you know, you, you're more likely to find yourself in a shortage of food due to whatever, you know, system breaking down more so than you're going to find yourself stuck in the Canadian or Alaskan bobs with nothing but uh, 10 items strapped to your pack. And for some reason you didn't bring any food, you know, that's, <laughs> that's definitely, definitely running out of uh, canned goods is definitely more apt to happen than, than the latter for sure. Yeah. And stuck in your little, whatever kilometer box. No, or I think that on Instagram. Okay. So where's your, what's your Instagram? If you, just, if you just Google ramshackle homestead, we will pop up. I guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, ramshackle we'll, homestead is uh, Instagram. Okay. Cool. Well, I'll go ahead and, and get that all linked up so people can, can find you and, and can find those resources. I'll, I'll just say fascinating stuff to, to watch and, and listen to. So highly recommend going and spending the time to check out what Keith and Jen are up to and, and what they're building and, and what they're standing for. So I just wanted a couple of things. First of all, I'll just say thank you both so much for being willing to come on and share your experiences and, and your lives and, and really your knowledge and wisdom with all of us today. So as we kind of start to wrap up here, I want to give both of you the opportunity to you know, if there's any last things you want to say, if there's anything that you've wanted to talk about or wanted to get into that, that I've neglected to take us to or any records to set straight, I mean, just anything at all that you want to say as we start winding down. Yeah. I mean, I could, as weird as this sounds, I mean, like alone is so far in my rear view at this point. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't even really have a whole lot of commentary on it. Uh, uh, other than, you know, I think I've had a lot of questions like, man, what happened? You know, does a squirrel make you sick? I don't really think that final little squirrel had anything to do with anything. I really think it was more ketosis uh, based and my body was having some really hard times because, you know, I think, you know, it was, oh, you got sick and tapped out. Well, no. I was having a couple of days before that we had like a winter storm that was, you know, the weather was really fixing to start turning. I was cramping so bad. I think from low potassium, low salt, 
I couldn't get my hands to let go of my axe for the tree that I was down. Like I had cramped up to the point I was like had my hands against the tree trying to pull my hands open. It was just having these horrible muscle spasms and the vomiting had kind of started, I guess, probably prior to tap out, maybe 24 or 30 hours before. And I had kind of made my mind up, you know, at that point I knew I was pretty well screwed, but I was like, man, just make it a month, dude. Just, you know, you know, you got just about a week. You can do one more week. And I had gone and pulled my traps because I was going to give myself my body a break because I was burning so many calories walking that trap line every day. And I couldn't let myself let those traps set out, knowing maybe something would be snagged up and, and, and suffer because of something I did. So I was like, you can still walk down and check your net and your lines every day without burning a lot of energy. But that trap line is burning a lot of energy without a lot of return. So I was kind of trying to give myself uh, a few days reset and of course it went downhill rather quickly from there. I did catch that squirrel and made that bone broth, you know, to try to drink it before I really tried to eat the squirrel. And when that hit my system, I mean, it was just like instantly, it went down and was right back up. And I thought uh, something's wrong, you know, so I kept trying just to keep floods down. At that point, I just couldn't keep anything down. And, you know, I went to, the, of course, it's a hot minute before they come pick you up. Uh, they came and got me, had, you know, the convulsion stuff all the way on the boat and got into camp. They kind of gave me like an ultimatum, like, you know, we're going to give you whatever shots they gave me. The medic, Ben, he's an awesome dude. But, you know, he's like, man, I'm going to give you the shots. He said, and then we're going to kind of set this two-hour window up. Things will start turning around and flying you out of here to get you to the hospital. But long story short, in the 24 hours I was back in base camp, that initial 24 hours, I was dehydrated so bad, I gained six pounds by the next day. Whoa. Yeah, which shocked me to death. So, yeah, I, you know, as far as hydration and that type thing, uh, I think, you know, it just it got away from me. And I just really didn't realize the cramps and everything, what was going on until it was too late. Uh, honestly, like I said, the nutrition side of it, I think I learned more than anything but yeah that's that's kind of my final word on loan i guess that, that was kind of more of what i wish had been seen but i'll just leave it at that cool and and if there's anything you know that's not alone obviously feel free to 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 any last words there but jen do you have any anything you want to say or anything you want to talk about that we didn't get into before we wrap up today what do i want to say <laughs> i think just right i'm gonna I'm cut her off because i think okay. but then i'll talk first okay I mean, just the, you know, lifestyle in general, you know, I think if more people would embrace kind of, I'm not saying you got to be total dirt hippies or, or anything else, but, you know, concentrate more on stuff uh, or less on stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. yeah, more stuff. <laughs> <laughs> less on stuff, you know, more on experiences and, and quality of experiences, whether it be relationships, you know, relationships with nature, yeah, just concentrate on quality of experiences in your life. Yeah. I mean, I guess I would have to say what I've been trying to do lately, and I feel like I've always done, but I'm more conscientious of it right now, is that when I go out in nature, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to look at it from a perspective of like a, 
the generations before us, say, you know, 300 years ago and before that, even thousands of years, you know, but they were so closely tied to the land and they knew um, so much about the land. I mean, there's nobody on earth right now, probably they can even compare the knowledge base that they had about where they lived and how to operate within that. And, you know, the realization that how, even though, you know, I feel like I'm very physically fit and I'm knowledgeable, I'm still weak compared to, you know, super weak sauce compared to people that lived, you know, just a couple hundred years ago. But when I go into the woods and I just think, and I try to pretend since I didn't get to go on alone and, you know, be in that for real situation where I am by myself, I have to rely on, you know, my skills and abilities and, and luck to, to actually live, you know, to draw another breath. But I go into the woods and I'm just thinking, you know, um, can you imagine living, you know, with minimal resources, but everything that you rely on is in front of you, around you, you know, within, you know, 20 acres, a hundred acres, a thousand acres, you know, what that life would be like. And to try to get that awe and curiosity of like, how, how can they do that? And how can I get closer to that? Just because I feel like it's in our DNA that we are tied to land, you know, and in that struggle for survival. And so even if it's just an afternoon walk, I still go in there and I'm like, you know, looking at stuff totally different, just not with a purpose. Like I'm trying to get a thousand steps in or 10,000, you know, whatever it is, but you know, an experience that, you know, this amazing the place, you know, it is all around us and so many resources and, and be quiet enough to, you know, observe birds and little critters and, you know, occasionally big animals, but, you know, just the and bugs and mushrooms, you know, how amazing it is that everything works together. And that at one point we can, we coexisted there, you know, we didn't have to dominate we, we coexisted with that and, and thrived, you know, and how society is like right now I, I fight with depression of how society has, what it has become. Like, this is our best thinking, you know, like going a big box store and it's like, this is the best that we, we can do. Like people work 40 hours a week at crappy jobs to go buy this plastic crap, you know, that it, it what? this is the best, you know? So I, I'm constantly, I, I like, okay, put that aside and then focus on, you know, what you know to be real, what you know that, it, and, and just any step closer that I can get, you know, me and Keith and the people that are around us to be like, you know, this is the direction we need to go. You know, that, that stuff is shiny and yeah, it's easy and comfortable, but this is the direction I feel like for true, well-being in all aspects you know that we experience it is towards nature not not that other way so that's that's all i have to say i guess yeah you know well put uh, i knew that's the direction you were going to go with it for sure yeah well, and you're 100 i think it's perfectly well put keith and and jen I, I absolutely love that and and i think you know for people that are listening as we kind of close here just you know there's there's definitely ways like Keith said jumping in jumping right in all in would would definitely suck but there certainly are are really simple ways if you'd sit back and and you know review your own your own 
state. And, you know, there's simple ways to reduce a footprint and there's simple ways to, to get more connected. There's ways to start moving in that direction. So Keith and Jen, thank you so much for taking the time to, to visit and to share and wanted to say thank you for listening and joining us today. So thank you and take care. <laughs>